You're listening to Destined Women Ministries, the podcast. Enjoy. Yes, we are still here, still talking about judgment, discipline, and correction. This topic is just so near and dear to me because it's the reason why I am able to sit here and teach this gospel today, okay? Because the Lord has judged my ways. He disciplines me and he corrects me. Glory to the name of the Lord in his goodness and in his mercy and in his righteous judgments. He enables me to walk upright before him and he is constantly searching me and allowing me to sometimes uh, scrape my knee, you know, get a little boo-boo, say something I had no business saying, do something I don't have any business doing so that I can see that I there are some areas that are not fully submitted to God. Amen. And so he helps me and I just rejoice that he loves me enough to help. And I want you to feel that same glory. Like, Lord, thank you for loving me enough to correct me because like scripture says, now no chastening at this now, it doesn't feel good at the present time. Glory to God, but when it's over, it yields that peaceable fruit of righteousness. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for your judgment, your discipline, and your correction. We love you. We honor you. Please speak to us. Continue to pour into us and help us to be mature enough to say, yes, Lord, discipline me. Help us to become mature enough to say, yes, Lord, judge me. Help us to be mature enough to not try to hide from you and run from you um, like Cain did, but help us in, uh, or Adam did, but help us in the name of Jesus to be right and to to come before your throne boldly saying, Lord, judge me. I've messed up. Discipline me. Correct me. Glory to God. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. All right. We clearly we're still here. I want to stay here and I want to tell you why, because this this particular subject is near to me and everything I'm teaching you, the Lord sat me down and he taught it to me. Okay. So listen, you got to be a lover of the word of God. He didn't just give me anything quick. He gave me all of these scriptures that I'm giving you, that I've given you, and that I will be giving, giving to you. And he gave these scriptures to me so that I can understand why he dealt with me the way he has dealt with me and why he has allowed me to feel sometimes the burden of conviction that I have felt, not condemnation, but conviction to change, to never do it again and to really repent from the depths of my soul. You hear me? Not just, oh, that was wrong, Lord. I repent, but no, I'm going to, I am godly sorry. God, I will never do it again. God, I repent. I, I, I confess to you that I was wrong. I was childish. I was immature. I was haughty. I was hasty. Yeah, I'm telling you, he knows how to bring it out. And so it blessed me when he began to teach this to me. When I would hear his voice saying these scriptures to me, and I want you to feel that y'all, I want you to feel that comfort that this word brought to me, all of these scriptures, hallelujah, knowing that we are children of God and he's not leaving us out as bastards to go and kill ourselves in the world. Come on, listen to what Proverbs 19 and 18 says, discipline your son. And this is the English standard version. Discipline your son for there is hope. There is hope for us when God chooses to discipline us. There is hope. There is a chance that we will turn and do the right thing when we find out that we're wrong. He says, listen, do not set your heart on putting him to death. 
There's no hope for him if you don't discipline him. Don't set your heart on putting your child to death by not teaching them and correcting them and showing them the right way they're supposed to go and sometimes punishing them and penalizing them or allowing them to get that quote whooping, okay, when they do the wrong thing. No, you have to, you have to discipline them because there is hope for them if you do. Now, if you don't, if you don't discipline them, you are setting your heart on putting them to death. And God does not want us to die. He gets no glory out of us if we die in our folly. Listen to what Proverbs 22 and 15 says, and this is still the English Standard Version. Folly, or as some versions say, foolishness, is bound up in the heart of a child. Listen to this. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Listen, God is looking at us. He is knowing our hearts. He's searching us and he's knowing our thoughts and he's seeing that inside of us, there is still some folly and some foolishness bound up in our hearts. He sees that under the right circumstances, you know, the right ingredients of the right tablespoon of this and a cup of that and a half a cup of this and a sprinkle of this and a dash of that, we would cut the fool. God knows what's in there. We don't. Okay. And he says, listen, I will allow some of that stuff to surface so that I can discipline you and drive it out of you. Come on, this rod of discipline will get all of that folly and all of that foolishness out of you. If you submit to my judgments, if you say, you know what, God, you're right. I'm completely wrong. Discipline me. That discipline will drive that folly out of you. You won't do it no more. <laughs> you won't say it no more. You won't go there no more. You won't lay down with him no more. That'll be it. His, the rod of discipline will drive that folly right out of your heart. Because as it says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And we don't have to feel bad about that. We are human beings and we have an Adam nature. Okay. And in this Adam nature, we have, and some of us, we have a lot of issues. Okay. And attached to those issues are some demons and God sees, listen, there is some folly bound up in their heart. They don't even know it's there. It's locked away in their heart. I know how to drive it out. I am going to discipline them. I know how to drive it out. I'm going to humble them. I'm going to cause them to sacrifice. I'm going to remove some of this stuff. I'm going to strip them in these ways. Come on here. And I'm going to drive that foolishness and that folly right out of their hearts. Why? Because I want their heart to be pure and upright before me. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessings uh, from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Amen. Come on. Then it goes on to say, this is the generation that seeks thy face, O Lord, right? This is the generation. Remember what the Bible says. There is a generation whose ways are pure in their own eyes, but they have not been washed from their filth. We want to be a part of the generation that is seeking the face of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In order to do that, in order to ascend to that hill of the Lord, in order to say, you know what? I'm seeking his face. We have to have clean hands of pure heart, not lift up our soul to empty things, fruitless things, vain things. Come on here. And we can't be running around swearing deceitfully, saying things that we know are not right, saying things that we know are not true, um, saying things that we know are not authentic and real. 
Come on now. God wants us to have a pure heart to seek him with. God wants us to have a pure heart so we can ascend to the hill of the Lord. Glory to God. And the rod of discipline drives that foolishness that causes our hearts to be impure right on out. Okay. So discipline purifies our hearts. It searches and discerns the motives. It exposes everything. And when we submit to that rod, it drives out all of that foolishness. Okay. How many of us can say we have foolishness? I'm going to pause. I know I've had some foolishness and guess what? I know there's probably still some foolishness up in there that I have no idea about. And Lord Jesus, judge me, discipline me and correct me. Hallelujah. And we can say that and we can have peace asking the Lord to do it because he loves us and he's only doing it because he loves us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's a way he shows love by disciplining us. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there are some people in the world that are considered like enablers. So if we ever see people who are like morbidly obese is like the, the most, uh, I guess, popular example. Um, these people can't leave the house really. They're kind of bed bound, house bound, can't really walk very far. However, there's a family member, there's a close friend, there's a neighbor, there's somebody that they used to work with or whatever who will come to their house and bring them all types of Taco Bell, French fries, Chick-fil-A, all that stuff, right? Enablers. God is not going to enable us to continue to kill ourselves. So it's the equivalent of somebody coming in and saying, I'm judging your ways. You are killing yourself. You will not eat Taco Bell. There's no more Chick-fil-A for you. No more of those waffle fries. No more of those chicken sandwiches and whatever else you're eating. No more milkshakes. That's it. That's what God does. And he does it because he loves us and he doesn't want us to die. Enablers, they think they're loving you by allowing you to do what you want to do, but actually they're actually killing you. Okay. This is how Satan is. This is what he tells his people. Listen, I only told Adam and Eve the truth in the garden. Um, you know, their God wanted them to be bound and not understand the pleasures of life and everything. And he didn't want them to be like him. He didn't want them to have wisdom like him. All I did was unleash them and unlock them so that they were not bound and limited to certain knowledge. But now they knew all things and had the ability to take pleasure in everything. Now they can do what they want to do. And because this is what Satan tells his people. I'm telling you, this is what the um, Satanists say. And it's a part of um, some of their doctrines and some of his approach to them. You know, when they say, well, you know, explain the Bible in light of who you are. This is what he says. I helped humanity. I released them. Okay. This is why he still considers himself, um, uh, an angel of light. And this is why a lot of the people who follow him are called Illuminati or illuminated ones because they have bit from this, this forbidden fruit too. And they have come into this higher knowledge. Okay. And, um, they can do what they want to do. Okay. They're not ignorant and limited. Like most people, they can live how they want to live. They can do whatever they want to do. And because of this heightened knowledge, they also have this 
access to wealth because their God, Lucifer, gives it to them. He pours out whatever they want. He's an enabler. You want more money? Here's a $200 million more. You want more um, diamonds? Here it goes. You want more popularity? Here it goes. I'll give you about 40 million more Instagram followers or however that goes on Instagram. You know, he is an enabler and he's feeding them junk and everybody knows that it's eventually going to kill them. God steps into our lives and he says, I'm not an enabler. I'm not going to allow you to sit there and kill yourself. I'm going to show you that this is not right and I'm going to discipline you so you know the right way to go so that you will allow me to lead you in the right way. We can't just do anything, say anything, act any kind of way and think it's okay because grace is upon our lives. Grace is never a, uh, an occasion to sin. We can't um, use our liberty in Christ as a, a cloak of maliciousness, you know, because some people say, well, God wouldn't discipline. Yes, he will. The Bible actually says it. And guess what? I'll give you New Testament too, where Jesus confirms that everything that he wrote in the Old Testament concerning discipline still stands. Listen to this. Revelation 3 and 19, I'm reading the English Standard Version. It says, those whom I love, come on, how, how many of us about to take off running? I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. I'm going to say it again. This is, this is Jesus in the book of Revelation. And he says, yes, what everything that's in Proverbs, everything that's in Deuteronomy, and even in Hebrew, because we're going to get into the scriptures in Hebrew, the things that are in the Psalms. Yes, that's still me. Okay. Those whom I love, I reprove them. Okay. I show them how they're wrong. I show them what they're doing. I judge their ways and I discipline them. Okay. So you, now that you know this, this is what you need to be. You need to be zealous and you need to repent. You need to say, oh, no, no, no. I found out I was wrong. I'm never doing it again. In the name of Jesus, I repent. Take it from me. You said, come on, this is when we start telling him what he said. If any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father. You said that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. You need to be zealous and repent from your heart. The fear of the Lord should be a real thing within you where you know you can't act any kind of way, say any kind of thing, do any kind of thing, go any kind of place. You have to have the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom for us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So God is not going to just sit there and allow us to sit with this folly and this foolishness in our heart. He's going to pull out his rod of discipline and he's going to drive it out. And why is he doing that? Because we have to be corrected. We have to be corrected after we're judged. And after that discipline comes, it should harbor correction. If we have humbled ourselves and allowed it to do whatever God has purposed it to do, we should live a life of correction. So we never go back to that thing again. And if we choose to go back to it, it's not because we don't understand how wrong it is in the sight of God. I'm going to read to you, it's just two definitions of correct, okay? To correct, the first definition means to make or set right. To make or set right. When the Lord is correcting you, he is making sure that you are set right. 
that you know how to live right now since you've been disciplined. You know how to live right. You know how to live righteously. He has made you right through this discipline and that is called correction. Now you know he's made it right and he set it right in your life. Whatever was out of order, he judged it. He disciplined you because of it and he set that thing right. And that's how you're going to walk now according to that. The next definition of correction or correct is a bringing into conformity with a standard. Jesus, I'm telling you, Miriam, she really, she is on the, the sermon writing committee. she be with it. A bringing into conformity with a standard. Thank you, Jesus. So after we're disciplined, what happens is it brings us into conformity with God's actual standards. Okay. We're no longer a part of that generation whose ways are pure in their own eyes, but we're still not washed from our filthiness. God judges us. He shows us that we're not right. He disciplines us because of whatever we've done, right? Or whatever we've gotten ourselves into, he allows us to, in a sense, reap for those things because we reap what we sow. And because of this, when we humble ourselves and accept this process and surrender to the Lord and acknowledge that we're wrong and that we need to change and we need to really learn his word and hearken to it. Because like Psalm 119 and 9 says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. When God disciplines us, it brings us into conformity with God's word. His word is the standard. We know what scripture says, the word of God, all word, all scripture is inspired by God and it's good for instruction and righteousness and reproof and rebuke so that we can be um, thoroughly furnished unto every good work and, and perfect. And I'm sure I missed something <laughs> with that scripture, but um, the word of God is the standard. And after discipline, after we're disciplined, it brings us into conformity with that standard. But we say, you know what? My way is wrong. My way almost got me killed. My way almost got me into hell. My way almost destroyed my relationships. My way almost did this or that. I need to do this God's way. I need to cleanse my ways according to his word. I need to take heed to his word. I need to hide it in my heart so that I don't sin against him. Hallelujah. And we need to be grateful to God when we get into these situations that causes us to cleanse ourselves according to his word. It, it's these situations of disciplining, being judged and then being disciplined that help us to understand how we're really supposed to act. Because quite frankly, again, we would be cutting the fool all up in our churches. You know, there are some churches where they haven't really submitted to the word of God, even though they may know it even though they may say it, they still have not allowed their ways to be corrected by it. Psalm 119, and I'll read 71 through 73. It's the New Living Translation. It says, my suffering was good for me. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to go through that loss. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to go through that embarrassment. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to take this, to, to go through this shameful situation where I done showed my tail out here, got me out here. Now I look crazy. Everybody's saying, ain't she supposed to be a Christian? Why is she acting like that? Thank you, Jesus, because I bet you I'll never cut up again. Okay. My suffering was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. You say, whoa, 
I need to pay attention to what God has spoken. I need to pay attention to what God has released because I can't go through this again. This suffering because of my own ways, because of my own mistakes, because of my own issues, because of what I went and got my own self into. No, 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 no. No, I can't do this. Let me pay attention to what God's word is saying. Okay. Let me not just be a hearer of it, but a doer. Let me not be someone who knows it and can quote it, but actually lives it out. And it takes discipline for us to correct our ways in that regard. Your instructions, this is verse 72, are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. Tell me that's not real. Tell me that's not real. Some of us ain't got good godly sense to do what the Bible says until something happens to us. Okay. That's where we get the sense from. He says, listen, you made me, you created me. I need you to also put in me that good godly common sense to follow what you've commanded, to follow your word, to do what it says, help us Jesus. And that's when we take it back to Psalm 139. Listen, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We want our ways to be pure. We want our ways to be cleansed. We want our ways to be purged and purified. Hallelujah. God has to search us. God has to search us out. We have to be willing to allow that judgment to take place where we say, okay, God, I'm surrendering myself to you. I want you to try me. I want you to search me. The Bible says this in Psalm 94 and 12. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and teach out of your law. See, discipline and teaching goes hand in hand. God, when he disciplines you, he is teaching you so that you can be corrected. He's not just disciplining you because he wants to see you hurt. He's allowing this so he can get your attention so you can realize, okay, I need a, I need a savior. Okay. I know I accepted Jesus, but I'm jacked up. I'm still jacked up. Look at what I have the, the ability to do. Look at what I have the, the propensity to say. Okay. Blessed are you when you are disciplined by the Lord and he teaches you out of his word. Okay. So God is just attempting to teach us. He wants to grow us. He wants to mature us. Listen, you may want to cry, but I'm telling you, listen, they who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Hallelujah. What does the Bible say? Um, he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Our God is so good, so holy, so merciful, so pure, so consistent, so faithful, right? That even those tears that you're crying because you're suffering or because you've done the wrong thing and you're going through this discipline after you've been judged and you realize the error of your ways, God is so good that he will use those tears to water some of these seeds that you have sown and cause a great harvest to come along into your life that you live as a corrected individual. Come on here. God is good and he's upright. His judgments are righteous. He's a great God and we thank him for his judgments. Father, in Jesus name, thank you for judging us. Thank you for correcting us. 
Thank you for disciplining us. Thank you for the way you do things. Thank you for what you allow, Lord. We know that none of it is in vain. We thank you that our lives are in your hands. Our times are in your hands. Our seasons are up to you, God. You are completely in control and we surrender ourselves in the name of Jesus. We repent for our wrongs, oh God. The things that we shouldn't have said, the things that we shouldn't have done, Lord Jesus, the things that we shouldn't have written, the things that we shouldn't have listened to, Lord, forgive us, Lord, for being haughty. Forgive us for being prideful. Forgive us for going our own way. Forgive us for not submitting and surrendering to your word and your will. We love you, Jesus. There's truly none like you. You're such an awesome God. You're lovely and perfect and beautiful in all of your ways. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. I pray that y'all just go forth and enjoy your life. Enjoy this day because even in discipline, there is so much hope. Even in some of the pains that some of us may be feeling right now, there is hope. Hallelujah. In a future because those are the types of plans that God has for you. He doesn't want to harm you. He has plans to prosper you. And this is just a part of it so that you are the right person with the right mental faculties and the right moral character when God prospers you and he just propels you into that beautiful future that he has planned for you. All right, y'all have a blessed day. Enjoy your day. I'm sure it's beautiful wherever you are all over this globe. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.